Have you ever wondered what your final words will be? The last thing that you have to say before you take your last breath. What if you could share a meal? If you could gather those people that you would most want to be present for you to offer whatever parting words of wisdom or appreciation or kindness or affirmation, to gather all those folks at a table, what would you say? What would you say in those moments? Well, the setting for this morning's scripture is just such a place. We find it in the Gospel of John, and in John's Gospel, uh, there is more time devoted to the last meal that Jesus shares with his closest friends, his disciples, than anything else. Five chapters, in fact, from John 13 to John 17 take place in that setting. I would invite you to think about going home and, and reading that section today. And listening to what Jesus had to, had to say to his disciples and by extension perhaps has to say to all of us as those who have said yes to following Christ. We're going to key in this morning on just a few verses that are in the 15th chapter. Now a few weeks ago Bishop Tom Berlin was here and he used some verses from this same chapter but ones toward the end that focused on the call for us to love courageously. And that is an extension, I think, of, of the verses that we'll take a look at today, some of the fruit, if you will, of the verses for today. So look now with me as I read from the 15th chapter, verses 5 through 8. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and in this way prove that you are my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. We've been talking these last three weeks about the leveraged life. What does it look like for us to live in such a way that we best leverage the resources that God has entrusted to each of us? Now, to even move down that path is to begin with the assumption that God is the giver of every good gift. Uh, and that we are the beneficiaries of that gift, and that we are meant to steward those gifts well, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of others around us as well. And so then we ponder the question of, of how we do that. And today, we get some sound guidance from Jesus about one way in which we focus our lives uh, and we pay attention to the invitation that God, that God offers us. Here in these verses and throughout um, the gospel, for that matter, Jesus says, stay connected. 
And he uses the imagery of a vine and branches to illustrate that for us this morning. Stay connected. If we want to best steward what God has entrusted to us, then we will need to stay connected. He goes on, in order to emphasize the point, to say, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is one of those places in the Gospels where Jesus uses overstatement or hyperbole to get our attention. He does that very effectively. Maybe you remember that other place where he's having the conversation with somebody who is very wealthy, and he says, you know, it would be easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for you to get into heaven. He's calling our attention to something that we need to listen to. And the reality, while the reality is not that we can't do anything, we certainly can do things. After all, one of the gifts God gives us is free will and the ability to make choices. But what we hear in this combination of the invitation to stay connected and the warning that apart from me you can do nothing is this idea that if we fail to stay connected, our life withers. When we turn inward and we make ourselves the focus, our own whims and fancies um, the priority, our life withers and we lose not only our connection with God, but we lose our connection with the human family that God has given us to share life with. And so the image today of the vine and the branches is a call for a decision that really ends up being one that is quite simple. And it is not just a one-time decision. Uh, while there may be that one time when we say, yes, we do want to follow you, Jesus, with our whole lives, there are the every day, every hour, even moment-by-moment decisions that we will be called to make where we keep saying yes to making our life an offering for God rather than making it all about ourselves. And so the choice then is between a life of self-indulgence and a life that leans into the abundance of God. Last week, uh, Catherine reminded us of the bumper sticker that says, the one who dies with the most toys wins. At least that's what the bumper sticker says. And that bumper sticker is grounded in a mindset of self-indulgence. It's about me getting everything I can, everything I want, and that somehow there's a winner at the end of it, like there is a winner in Monopoly or Life or those other games that she mentioned last week. But, you know, I find a t-shirt that I saw a young man wearing one day much more compelling and truthful when it comes to this subject. I was walking down a, a, a sidewalk and this young man was about to pass me and I noticed on the front of his shirt that it said, the one who dies with the most toys, dot, dot, dot. I, I took the bait, I was curious, so after he passed me I looked back to see what was on the back of the shirt and the back of the shirt said, still dies. truth, right? As much as we try to accumulate, if we try to hoard, like the man who kept wanting to build bigger barns, 
that we heard about. As, as much as we focus on all the things that we think we want, the reality is that none of the stuff that we accumulate in this life is going with us beyond this life, at least not in terms of material possessions. On the other hand, earlier in John's gospel, a few chapters before we get to the scene in the upper room, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is the kind of life we receive when we choose to remain connected to Christ. Because when we remain connected to him, by extension, we remain connected to the one who sent him. This is something he says over and over in this section of the Gospel of John. You and I are one as I and the Father are one. Stay connected to me and you stay connected to the one who sent me. The one who chooses the way of self-indulgence says, you know what, there's only so much available, so I'm going to make sure I grab my share. Mine, mine, mine. The one who chooses the abundance of God is the one whose starting point is, you know what, it is all a gift from God who showers blessings that are meant to be shared with others. See the difference there? This is the one who looks at it all and says, yours, not mine, God, but yours. And here's the great paradox. When we start with yours instead of mine, we end up being blessed with more of what really matters. Jesus says, my father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And when we are producing much fruit, the kind of fruit that God intended and the kind of fruit that naturally comes from our lives, when we are staying connected, then suddenly life becomes richer and fuller both for us and for others around us. So when we stay connected, we get to participate in the abundance of God's harvest. Last week, Jesus, uh, Catherine mentioned Jesus. Catherine, <laughs> Catherine, didn't you do that to me a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Catherine, mentioned, Catherine mentioned the verse at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, or in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things, by which he means all the things that really matter, will be added to you when you get the focus in the right place. Blessings abound in ways that we could not imagine. So what exactly is the fruit that we produce when we do stay connected? When as branches, we choose not to set ourselves apart away from the vine, but we stay connected to the vine. I'm so glad you asked. One of the places we find a compelling illustration of this is in Paul's letter to the Galatians, where he gives us a list of characteristics, traits of the human life that is producing fruit, and specifically the fruit of the Spirit. 
And that fruit looks like this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. When we look at that list, we see that the things that are mentioned there are the kinds of traits that we see in Jesus' own life. And so, by staying connected to him, then the power of the Holy Spirit flows through us so that we might bear that same fruit and that others might see the presence of Christ in us and in the things that we do and in the way in which we live in the world. And notice how the fruit that is mentioned in that verse supports and sustains connection both with God and with others. Notice how it makes the connection grow deeper and stronger. When we love other people, when we express joy with one another, when we are peaceful beings in this world, when we are patient and kind and gentle and generous and faithful, then the connections grow and deepen. But by contrast, Think about what happens when we choose the opposite. When instead of love, we choose hate. Instead of kindness, we choose mean-spiritedness. Instead of peace, we choose strife and angst. Instead of patience, we choose impatience. Instead of generosity, we choose stinginess. Instead of, instead of faithfulness, we choose unfaithfulness. Those things destroy connection. They create separation and they begin to cause us to isolate ourselves and, and to build walls up around ourselves instead of connection. Stay connected to me, Jesus says, because when you stay connected to me, life is better for all of us. One of the things that gets my attention in that list is the fruit of generosity, especially as we are in this season of giving and we're talking about ways in which we can bless our community and in which collectively we can do the work as the church that God has called us to do, part of which is to provide the financial resources that make that happen. And generosity is a tangible witness of sharing that requires us to release something that we often tend to think of as mine and instead say, it's yours anyway, God. And so I am setting aside this portion for you to be able to do what you want to do through your church. It is a way for us to express our faith in God's abundance. Adam Hamilton says in his book, Enough, that we are created to give, but we are tempted to keep. We are created to give, but we are tempted to keep because the voices of fear and self-gratification clamor for our attention. 
Scripture, on the other hand, keeps calling us back to the generous life. If you read Scripture daily, you can't go very many days without coming across something that is going to challenge and encourage you to live generously. It just keeps showing up over and over again. A couple of examples where not only do we hear this call to be generous for the sake of others, but we hear how it also impacts our own lives. Proverbs 11.25, generous persons will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And then in Paul's letter to Timothy, uh, when he's providing encouragement for how Timothy can lead others in his community, especially those who have been blessed with significant resources, he says, tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous, and to share with others. And as that encouragement continues, Paul says, tell them to do this so that they will take hold of the life that really is life. And so this morning, as we conclude this series on a leveraged life, I would invite you to consider how you will live that out, that fruit or that practice of generosity as a part of this particular community of faith. How will you participate, how will we participate together in fulfilling God's purposes for Trinity? And here's a question for you, one that you might ponder in the next few days. What if part of your legacy was helping this church flourish as a source of hope and love and transformation for people in this community for generations to come? What if that was part of each of our legacies? You know, in the last few weeks, we've heard some wonderful stories, testimonies about the impact that Trinity has had in people's lives. And there are so many stories that could be told, so many more stories that could be told. And we all get to be a part of making it happen. One of the things that I'm mindful of on this day, on All Saints Sunday, is the legacy of the saints who have gone before us, especially the saints of Trinity. We're going to see their names a little bit later in the service today, and oh, what a list it is. So many who have chosen to be a blessing with their lives, with their witness, with their generosity so that faith might flourish, so that goodness might flourish, so that a message of love and grace and acceptance and good news for all might flourish. So today I celebrate their faithfulness. I celebrate the ways in which they stewarded their resources by staying connected. And the lasting impact that their stewardship has had. And for many of them, not only did they do that during their lives, year after year after year, committing to share of what they had so that the church and people's lives would flourish, but they did it even after they died by leaving some of what was left behind so that the church might continue to flourish. 
one couple that came to mind for Catherine and I today as we thought about this last Sunday and the idea of legacy is a couple that a number of you had the privilege of knowing. They were faithful members of this congregation for many, many years, George and Priscilla Pridgen. Some of you know stories of their lives and the way their lives made a difference. But better than hearing a little bit from me, we thought it might be a beautiful thing for you to hear um, from their son, Ken, and their granddaughter, Amy. And so I invite you to take a look at this video now. My name is Amy Ballard. I've been a member of Trinity since I was born, which was this right when Dean Martin arrived. I think I was actually the first baby he visited in the hospital. And I am the granddaughter of George and Priscilla Pridgen. Hi, my name is Ken Pridgen, and I've been a member of Trinity for 59 years, which is when we moved to Gainesville. And uh, that's when my parents also joined Trinity. Well, my parents were very de devoted Christians and very active in church all their lives. And when I really knew that they were active was it in Jacksonville when we went to Southside Methodist. And when they came over here, Trinity was very small and hadn't been around but about four years or so. And they were really instrumental in getting a lot of things going. I know my mom started the first children's choir and she actually started Sunlight. My dad was on the administrative board and probably is best known after he retired from Bell South, becoming the parish visitor where he traveled over 60,000 miles visiting shut-ins and became close to these people and was a lot of times asked by their relatives to do their funerals and stuff like that. So they've always been very involved. The biggest memory for me, and I feel like no matter like what I was doing or where I was in the church, I would, I was like identified by, oh, you're George and Priscilla's granddaughter. And I think the biggest thing for me is that they lived out what they expected from us, from their grandkids, their kids. It, they weren't just telling us what to do, but they were literally showing us by example. I think they really love this church and they, you know, had plan to, when dad retired, to move, you know, to the mountains or somewhere, but they actually ended up staying in Gainesville, and um, he became involved as a, a visitor, and I feel like they really had a love for Trinity. So the last outing my grandmother made was through the church on a trip um, to the Madison Youth Ranch. Yeah, I mean, they, she was a big supporter of Madison Youth Ranch, as I am, and um, so her last really act was going up there for the dedication of the chapel, you know, that she had given a window in memory of dad, you know, and uh, so 
till the very end. Amy and Ken, thank you for sharing about your parents and your grandparents. Uh, they're here as they are almost every week um, with Amy's kids, Mallory and Allison and Matthew, and usually Chris is with them as well. Not today, he's out on duty. Um, but um, man, George and Priscilla, lives that stayed connected to the vine and that stayed connected, chose to stay connected to this particular community of faith because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing here. And look at all the fruit that those lives produce. That is the invitation for all of us, my friends. And to do it, as that last illustration in the video uh, demonstrated, to the very end, to let our whole lives be an opportunity to share what God is doing in our lives for the sake of other lives. You know, at the very end of his life, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was lying in his bed in his home next to uh, the church there in London that he had founded, and some friends were gathered around him, and it is said that his very last words were these, best of all, God is with us. Indeed, my friends, when we stay connected, may we hear and sense that as well, that to the very end, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. We will move this morning into a time of remembering the saints and part of this time is an opportunity for us to read the names of those who were a part of this community who have died, this church community who have died in the past year. Um, with each name that is read, you'll see their, their uh, pictures or their names come up on the screen as well. Um, if you are a part of their family or you were connected to that person in some special, meaningful way, during the reading of that person's name, we would invite you to stand as you are able um, and then be seated as the next name is read. After we finish reading all the names, we will move into a time of communion and part of the opportunity in communion today is for you to light candles that you'll see here um, on the altar rails as well as over on that side of the room, uh, candles that you would like to light for persons that you have lost along the way one of the saints that you want to remember today as well. Let us remember them now. <clears throat> 